I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's Word. It's His truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we're going to talking today. To, we've been going through a series, kind of a fall football series. Love this time of year. How about the Hogs yesterday? Didn't they do a good job? Yeah, they did really well yesterday. We enjoyed watching that game. Today, uh, God's team will be playing the Packers. I see uh, some of his representatives are here today. So we're uh, excited about that game this afternoon. But we're going to talk today about defeating fear. About once a year, I will do a sermon or do a series on fear. And here's why. Because fear is something that can dominate people's lives. Matter of fact, there are some of you here today, statistically, there are some of you here today that fear is such a big part of your life that it controls some of your actions, some of your relationships. Day in and day out, a lot of your life is dictated by the amount of fear that you have. Fear is not a friendly thing. You know, we had fun with fear, and I know this time of year, at, you know, you've got uh, kids dressing up in costumes and a lot of the different shows that are on TV that will be about scaring you and stuff. I know our family, we're always running around, we'll try to scare each other. You'll see somebody walking down the hall, and they're not, they don't see what's going on, so you jump out and scare them, and we all laugh and have a good time. I know growing up, um, Miles' response to fear when he was a little bitty kid, you'd jump out and you'd scare him, and he'd just collapse. I mean, he was like a fainting goat. I mean, it was like, ah, and he will you know, thankfully he grew out of that last year, and we're really glad. We, we think he's coming along. But, you know, I mean, we all have different responses to fear. We, some fight and some flee, but all of us have fear that we have to deal with to a certain degree, don't we? And the Bible has a lot to say about fear. Interestingly, theologians have found that there are actually 365 verses in the Bible that deal with fear in some way. Fear is something we deal with every day. And the Bible's clear about what we should do about it, but I want you to understand today, for those of you that find yourself trapped in fear, maybe it's fear in relationships, maybe it's fear of abandonment, some of you have fear of control, you, you either control things or you're being controlled, but fear takes up a significant portion of your life. And I want you to understand today, God is going to deliver you if you'll allow him to do it, if you'll be brave. Amen. I want to pray, and I usually don't do this, but I'm going to pray today because I believe those of you that are held in the grip of fear, God wants to deliver you. And I'm just going to pray beforehand that he's going to open your ears. Let's pray real quick. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name because of the, because of the gravity of this message today. I recognize that there are people in this room that struggle with fear. And I just pray, Lord, that you would open their hearts, you would open their ears, and that you would let them know they are not here by accident today. And I pray, Father, that even now you're beginning to loosen the chains that have held them. Jesus, you said you came to set us free. And I know fear is one of the things you set us free from. And so I'm believing even now you're beginning to open hearts. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now get this. When we're born, every person in this room, how many of you have been born? Let me see. Come on. Awesome. That's about 100%. That's a good start. Um, we've all been born. When you are born, you're actually born with only two fears, two innate fears that come with you at delivery. That is the fear. Anybody have any ideas if you, if you think you might know what that is? Sound and falling. You, big hand, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, that's just awesome. 
That's right. We're scared of loud noises and we're scared of falling. That's how we're born. So what does that mean? That means all the other fears that are out there, you learn environmentally. Over the course of your life, you have built up all these fears, except for those two that you came with. The rest of them were add-ons in your life. They're environmental. So that's a big deal. And so we need to understand kind of what can cause these fears in our life. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 says this. This is God talking to Joshua. Now understand, God took, or, excuse me, Joshua took over from Moses. He's about to lead the Hebrew children into the promised land which is a big deal. This is what God says to him. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God actually says in three times in the first chapter of Joshua, do not be scared, don't be afraid, because I'm with you. So even people in the Bible that we respect had to deal with fear, amen? So it's no stranger to us either. And I want you to understand today, it's one thing to be scared when somebody jumps out and scares you. That's one thing. But it's another thing to have fear as just this resident in your life. And here's the big thought today. I want you to think about this. Fear does not come to play around. Fear comes to consume you. Fear does not come to play around. Fear comes to consume you. You know, we've been talking in our Wednesday night series. Pastor Josh, thank you for picking up Wednesday night and helping. But the thing we've been talking about in Truly Free on Wednesday night is the devil is a thief. The Bible says that he's a thief. And when he breaks into your house, he may come in through the bathroom window, but he's not going to stay in the bathroom to steal your soap. A thief breaks into your house to get access to the rest of your house. And so he may get through in one area, but he's not going to stay there. And that's how fear works. It may come in through one area of your life, but every chance it gets, it will invade every other area. Fear comes to consume you. Judges chapter 6, verses 11, this is the the story of Gideon. And, And many of you may or may not know the story of Gideon, but at this time, the children of Israel were not ruled by a king. They're actually ruled by different judges. And, and what would happen is the people, the Hebrew people would rebel against God and then they would be oppressed. They would cry out to God and then God would send judges to rule over them during a season. And at this period in history, the Hebrew children were in a, series of, a, ser, a season of oppression and the people that were oppressing them were called the Midianites. And here's what would happen. The, the Hebrews obviously were an agrarian society, so they would have crops and they would have livestock. And then out of nowhere, completely unexpectedly, these Midianites would invade the land and they would rob them. They would steal their goods, their people. They would sometimes take their children. They would take their livestock. And they never knew when this was going to happen. One day everything's fine. The next thing you know, they're being invaded. And so they lived constantly in a state of fear. For those of you that have been around abusive relationships, you understand what this means. Everything may be fine one day, and then something happens and everything triggers. And so what happens over time is you begin to live in a constant state of fear, never knowing when the other shoe is going to drop, never knowing when the anger is going to happen. You just live in fear. That's how an entire nation was living at this time. They were living in fear. Judah, Judges chapter 6 verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, how many of you have ever hauled hay before? Let me see your hands. Come on. 
Oh, that's a lot of you. How many, you know, it's one thing when you're out hauling hay. How many of you like a cool breeze when you're hauling hay? Isn't that just like awesome? You know, you get, you're out working and it's hot, but that breeze blows and it makes it okay. Well, I remember one time one of our neighbors talked us into across the road coming up and helping them. They were loading bales of hay up in the barn. And it was up in the top of the barn. And I remember being up there with my dad, and we're up there, and we're stacking these bales of hay. And it's 4,000 degrees because it's Texas in July, and there's not a breeze in there. And that's the closest I think I ever came to dying from a heat stroke. Seriously. It was unbearably hot. Well, if you're going to haul hay, you want to be outside, right? You don't want to be locked up in an area. And that's what we see here with Gideon. See, what happened is in those days when they were threshing wheat, they would harvest wheat and they would thresh it, but they would do it outside in the open so the wind and the elements could help thresh the wheat with them. The Bible tells us here that Gideon is actually down in the basement of a house in a wine press in a place that you would create wine. It's dark, it's hidden, there's no breeze, and the reason he's there is because he's hiding. See, here's what's interesting about fear, is fear makes you do things you normally wouldn't do. It makes you direct your life in a way that you're in control and nobody else really knows what's going on. And that's what Gideon was doing. He was down here threshing wheat where in the wine press where nobody would see him. Interesting. Very interesting. What happens, look at your note, what's ha- what happens when we live in fear and what are some of the side effects? Number one on your notes, it's the first diamond on your piece of paper is anger. When we live in fear, one of the ways it manifests itself is anger. Look at Judges 6, verses 12 through 13. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now understand, when he talks to Gideon, he's hiding in the wine press. So I find it interesting that the angel looks at Gideon and calls him a mighty warrior since he's hiding. That's a sermon for another day. But this is what Gideon says to the angel. If the Lord is with us, why has this happened to us? Where are his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hands of Midian. Do you see what Gideon's doing here? This angel appears to him, calls him a mighty warrior. His first response is, If God is so good, why has this happened to me? Anybody know what that's like? If God is all-powerful, if God is in control of everything, then why am I in a wine press hiding from everybody? You know, there's something really amazing about this that I want you to hear today. God can handle your questions. God can handle your frustrations. Do you understand here that he was never reprimanded for being honest with God? He was able to share his heart and share his frustration, and God did not reprimand him for that. But I want you to hear this. This isn't in your notes, but it's very important. God is willing for you to misunderstand him to grow you and help you be better. God loves you enough for you to misunderstand him sometimes. How many of you have ever spanked your child before? For those of you that haven't, we're going to have a class on that. We want to teach you. (laughs) We were in a store yesterday, and there was a a, a small hobbit running around yelling crazy. 
And my dad leaned over to me, there's no, and he said these words. He said, there's nothing a good spanking wouldn't do for that child. We thought that was funny. <laughs> a little bit out of control in there. And the truth is, in, in life sometimes, God will discipline us, and we may not understand why he's disciplining us, but he does it for our own good. And there are probably people that you can look back in your life that disciplined you at one time or another. At the time, you misunderstood, but later you understood that that correction was for your good. And God loves you enough to allow you to go through seasons sometimes that you're being disciplined, but it's for your welfare. And so Gideon is sitting here going, God, why are you letting this happen to us? He's expressing his anger. And I want to encourage some of you today that are going through challenges. You need to be honest with God and tell him how you feel. He can handle it. Amen? One of the second effects that we see when fear begins to rule and reign in people's lives is we see insecurity. You can write that in your notes. Insecurity. Judges chapter 6 verses 14 through 15 says this. The Lord turned to him, turned to Gideon again and said, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? God's saying, hey, I'm sending you to go take care of this. But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. I think it's very interesting here that God says to Gideon, hey, I'm sending you to save the people. And what does Gideon immediately do? He comes up with excuses. He comes up with excuses. How many of you in life, maybe in your relationship with God, you felt like God was leading you to do something, but immediately there were excuses that popped up that kept you from doing it? Right? That's just being honest, isn't it? Well, God, I can't do that because... Or my past disqualifies me. Or I'm not smart enough. And what happens is we begin to come up with these excuses. And we see Gideon doing the exact same thing. Here's what Gideon is in effect saying. I know you're sending me. But my tribe is the weakest of all the tribes. And my family is the lowest family in the tribe. And I'm at the bottom of the food chain in my family. In other words, I'm not qualified to do this, God. But you know what? That never keeps God from calling us. Have you noticed in life that God tends to call the people that seem to be the overlooked most of the time? There's a plaque in my office that says, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And I know in my own life, I'm an example of that. God tends to call us out of our weakness because we begin to trust him. But that's bound in insecurity. Here's the next box. I'll read the scripture and then we'll look at the box. Judges 6, 16 through 18. And the Lord answered and said, I will be with you. You see God reassuring Gideon. He said, I'll be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. And Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I think God's showing great patience here. I will wait until you return. But here's what I want you to see. Gideon said, if I found favor in your eyes, in other words, if what you're saying to me is really true, you wait here, and then I'm going to go do this, and then I'm going to come back. And here's another way that fear exerts itself, control. Fear exerts itself through control. Control. 
I want to share with you something that, that will help you. I believe it's helped me over and over again. My, my parents were, helped me learn this, but also I've learned it in leadership. Is that when you're leading people, your family, your business, wherever you are leading, anytime there's anybody following you, you have to hold a loose grip on influence and control in people's lives. Especially with children. And I, and I want you to use this illustration that hopefully you understand. Have any of you ever used soap to bathe before? Let me see your hands. Please, everyone, please raise your hands, please. Humor me. <laughs> I want you to imagine a bar of soap that's wet. And I want you to imagine the people that you lead or influence around you as being that wet bar of soap. If you hold it too loose, what's going to happen? It's going to fall out of your hand, that's right. But if you hold it too tightly, what's going to happen? Force it out of your hand. And that's how leading people is. See, and what happens though when fear comes along, and I see this a lot, is that when fear comes along in people's lives, they immediately begin to try to control everything around them. And I want you to hear this, folks. If you don't hear anything else, listen to this. Fear and control leads to rebellion. Fear and control leads to rebellion. When you try to hold on so tightly to people, especially around you, what will happen is they will slip out of your hands because that control, you can only control people so long. But you have to hold them and lead them and influence them. But if you grip too tightly, you'll lose them. And I want to tell you, I see this in relationships, especially relationships where people have been hurt in the past. They try to control literally everything in their environment. And they're in fear. Well, if I don't control this, I'm going to lose them. If I don't hold on, I'm going to lose them. If I don't control everything, I'm going to lose them. And, and their whole world is built around this. And the problem is life is unpredictable. Anybody agree that life is unpredictable? And the tighter you try to grab it, quicker you'll lose it. So how do we fight fear? I mean, how do we get to the place in life where, where we can walk in, in faith towards God and not fear? And I want to say this to you today. Listen, faith is not the opposite of fear. Fear, folks, is believing in the wrong thing. You know, statistically, 90% of the things you fear will not happen to you. 90% of the things that you fear will not happen to you. How many of you have ever been to the beach? How many of you have ever been attacked by a shark? Dennis, right. He obviously spit you out, Dennis. I mean, that was, but I mean, the truth is, but, but how many of you, when you go to the beach, you're thinking about sharks? Am I the only one? I'm like going, dawn up, dawn up. I mean, you know, I go out there and I'm thinking, I'm thinking all this, you know, and it didn't help that the last time I went fishing at the coast, guess what I caught? A shark, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, but you, you start thinking about, you go down there and you think, well, this is going to happen. Or, or how many times have you been in the woods and you think, oh, I'm going to run into a bear, you know? You're like, no, you're in the park. There's not going to be a bear, you know? But, but what happens is we begin in life after we get fear in, it begins to dictate how things are going to go. And so we won't do things because we're in fear of what may possibly happen. And what happens is over time we take those things to the extreme and we end up not doing anything because we're constantly in fear. So how do we beat that? How do we have faith in God and not faith in fear? Look at number one on your notes. The first thing you have to do is stand your ground. 
stand your ground. I'm going to explain that. Exodus 14, 13 through 14 says this. This is Moses talking to the Hebrew children. They've just left Egypt. Pharaoh said, get out of here, and they left. And then he changed his mind, and he's sending an army out to to capture them, to recapture them or destroy them. And then there's a sea in front of them, so they're literally caught between a rock and a hard place. And then God speaks to Moses and says this. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And I'm going to tell you what they are standing on here, folks. What they're really standing on is God's word. I want to tell you, if you never learn anything in all this time that we've been here, I do want you to walk away with this. You need to know God's word for your life. You need to understand what your Bible says about your relationship with God and who you are to him. Because where we get into trouble is with fear, we begin to believe the wrong thing. And so we begin to act that way. And please listen, the battlefield, folks, is where? Where's the battle? It's in your mind. The Bible says, as a man believes, so is he. And I want to tell you something today. I don't know about you, but I've been around people that every time you ask them how they're doing, they say they're sick. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't point. That's not nice. How are you doing? I'm sick. Are you really sick? Well, no, I'm probably going to get sick. Y'all know who I'm talking about? You know, and they're constantly saying that. But let me tell you something. If you keep saying you're sick, sooner or later, what's going to happen? You will begin to line up and you will begin to do and see and be the thing that you keep saying because the battle is up here. You will act that way. You'll start acting sick. And guess what? Sooner or later, you're going to get sick. Because what are you focusing on? You need to stand your ground. You need to stand on God's word. You need to stand on God's word. What does God's word say about your situation? It's really about focus. I got to tell on myself. I'm going to tell on myself. The other day, uh, Trish and I, about a week and a half ago, we're driving home. It's about 9 o'clock at night after church, and we're in her little car, the little jelly bean. And we're driving down the road, and I looked over, and I saw a big buck standing right off the road, probably about 10 yards off the road. I mean, he was a nice buck. Well, I, I decided I wanted to see him up closer. And so I swerved a little bit out, and then I swerved back in so I could get the headlights on him. Uh, and I told her what I was doing. Because I went, uh, (laughs) when I saw the deer. It's not my fault she doesn't understand man language. But I saw that buck over there, you know, and I went, uh, and then I curved out and I curved back. She has no idea what's going on. But there was a problem. There's a little ditch right there, and then this little ditch is wide enough for the front end of her car to go down in. And so I got the right front tire down in the ditch, but I stopped. So y'all don't freak out. I didn't tear the car up, Marshall. It's all right. But I dropped down, and the front of the car went down in the ditch, and I pulled the emergency brake on, and I tried to back up. Well, the only problem there was the wheel was about this far off the ground in the back. So I did what I always do. I called Ronnie. (laughs) And I told Ronnie, he said, what happened? I said, a deer. I didn't say I dodged a deer. I just said a deer. 
I went the next day and confessed to him what had happened. And he hooked up and pulled me out in the whole nine yards. And then Trish, in her lovely, sweet voice, said, Oh, darling, what happened? Why did you do that? <laughs> she said, What are you doing? You tore up my car. Why did you do that? To which I immediately replied, It was a big deer. <laughs> Hello? Of course I did that. <laughs> and she goes, <laughs> We see deer every day. Come on, guys. It was a big deer. <laughs> I mean, it's important. I didn't tear the car up. I stopped, but it was funny. But here's the point. What was I focusing on? Yeah, somebody went, mm, yeah. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Where you're looking and you're focusing is where you're going to go. And a lot of us in our life We're not focusing on the word. We're focusing on our fear. And if you focus on it long enough, you're going to end up over there. And you better hope Ronnie's got a chain to pull you out of the ditch. But the problem is a lot of time the ditch is a cliff. And we've got to get our focus on God's word. What does God's word say? Amen? Look at number two on your notes. Here's the second thing you need to do to fight fear. You need to pray for peace. You need to pray for peace. Philippians 4, 6 says this. Do not be anxious about a couple of things in your life. What does it say? What's anything? Like right now, I know it's no big deal to y'all, but how do y'all feel like this election process is going? Isn't it exciting? I don't care who you vote for. It's not a whole lot of fun right now, is it? What does the Bible say? Do not fear about. Watch this. But in every situation, in every situation by prayer and petition, that means request, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, I love this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Christ Jesus. When you have fear begins to rise up in you, you need to stand in faith and you need to pray and you need to seek God. But here's the deal. You also need to allow him to lead and trust him. And my Bible says when you begin to do that, that his peace will guard your heart and your mind. See, it's not a candidate that's in control. It's God that's in control, and we need to trust him. Amen? Number three on your notes. So how do we deal with fear? How do we fight fear? Number three, we need to object to the lies. We need to object to the lies. You need to stop believing the lies that the devil tells you. You need to stop believing that. You know, the truth is, if I was able to sit down with some of you in your life, you would be able to look back and tell me that there were situations in your life where people put labels on you and it stuck. Somebody said you were stupid. Somebody said you were never going to amount to anything. Somebody came out with this lie in your life and you begun to believe it and now you begin to act that way. But you need to learn to object to the lies and you need the only way to offset a lie is the truth. And the truth is what we find in God's word about us. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. Watch this. 
We demolish arguments. Isn't that a cool word? How many of you like to demolish stuff? Come on, let's be honest. I want you to imagine you need to take a hammer, a sledgehammer, to some of the problems and challenges in your life. The Bible says we demolish arguments. We demolish arguments. That's cool. And every pretension, what, that sets, up, sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Anything that's not God's word for your life, you need to demolish it. Folks, you got to start believing what God says about you and what Pookie and them have said about you. You need to start believing what God says because here's the deal. If you begin to believe the lies in your life, I'm never going to be successful. I'm never going to be blessed. My past has defined who I am. My life is lost. I'm just here till I die and then I go to heaven. If that's all you believe, then you're missing what God has for you. And you need to demolish those arguments because that's not what God says about your life. And we need to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. As American citizens, we have the Bill of Rights. And as an American, those Bill of Rights apply to you. But if you don't know them, people can convince you of anything because you don't know what your rights are. And it's the same way as a child of God. If you don't know who God says you are, then the devil's going to lead you everywhere he wants you to go because you don't know who you are in Christ. It is the most important thing. The reason that Jesus wanted us to become disciples, a disciple is a disciplined one. They're one that knows who they are. And they're surrendered to him. And that's why it's so important that you begin to read your Bible, that you come not only to church but to other classes, Bible studies. You need to learn who you are in Christ. Otherwise, you're going to be taken captive by every thought that comes along because you don't know who you are and you'll believe anything. Do any of you have friends that will just believe anything? We had a a lady talk to us this last week that that felt like that, uh, that aliens were getting ready to come back. I don't mean like illegal aliens. I mean like real live aliens from outer space. And she was convinced that aliens were about to take over. How do you think she lives her life? Cuckoo. You know, I mean, you know, come on. But, but she's so convinced of that that that's how she kind of lives her life. And, you know, that's an extreme example. But the reality is if you begin to believe lies, you will live your life that way. And you won't believe the truth. Begin to walk in what God has for you. Do you believe you are who God says you are? Number four, the best way to defeat fear is to trust in God. To trust in God. Look at Psalm 56, verses three through four. I want to read it slowly because I want you to hear it. Listen to this. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word, you got to know the word, I praise. In God, I trust, and I'm not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Read that again. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God I trust, and then I'm not afraid. What can mere people do to me? In the world that we live in right now, 
where fear is so rampant, who do we trust? And I love what the psalmist is saying here. God, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust your word. I'm gonna believe you. You know, over these next two weeks, with the election coming up, you're gonna hear all kinds of junk. Now listen to me. I love you and I'm your pastor and I mean this and I love you. Some of you need to turn the TV off, okay? And stop watching this junk because it's gonna mess you up. What you need to do is you need to pray and you need to do what God tells you to do and you need to trust in him, not in a person. Do you understand me? You need to trust in God. Regardless of who gets elected, is God gonna be nervous? You know, I, I want you to get this. God is not up in heaven going, what are we gonna do? Now, we are. Is he God or is he not? This is what I say to myself in situations. Right now, we're working on the building and we're getting it ready and you know, we're dealing with different challenges there. And here's what I have to say to myself. Is God God or not? Because if he's God, then I need to trust him. Right? Is God God of your health or not? Is God the God of your finances or not? Is God the God of your relationships or not? Folks, he's either God or he's not. And we need to get real as the body of Christ and decide we're going to trust him or not. But we need to just decide. And if we trust him, then let's really trust him. I want to leave you with this scripture. And then a final thought. Philippians 4, 6 again. Watch this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, that means go ahead and be thankful for what God's going to do. Present your request to God. And here's the result. Watch this. Here's the result. And the peace, not just peace, the peace of who? The peace of God. Is God worried about anything? The peace of God. Will, which transcends all understanding. That means you don't understand it. It transcends your understanding. Will guard your hearts and what else? Your mind. In Christ Jesus. Here's the final thought. It's time to fight fear because my future is on the other side of my fear. You need to fight fear because your future is on the other side of your fear. Whatever it is that's scaring you, you need to realize that God's bigger than that and you need to trust him. And I wanna tell you folks, and I mean this with all my heart, right now, it's a whole lot of scary out there, isn't it? But here's the thing that I'm learning is that I'm gonna trust him. And I'm gonna do what he says and I'm gonna pray and I'm going to allow the peace of God begin to rise up in me and give you peace. Now listen, I know that there are some of you that are here today that are in hard situations. I know it. I know there's some of you here today that are facing challenges where you deal with fear every day. You go to bed with fear and you wake up with it. Sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night. 
and you're just gripped with that terror. Folks, listen to me. The Lord wants to help you. He's the God of peace. He's the God of peace. But what you need to do is begin to trust him. When I'm afraid, I'm trusting God. I'm trusting his word. Lord, your word says, this is how I feel, but I'm gonna put my faith in you. Put my faith in you. Let's pray. Father, I ask you right now in Jesus' name as we're in this place and these precious people, Lord, some of them are fighting fear. Some of them, it's the biggest thing in their life. Lord, I just ask you right now, it's not by accident that anyone is here today. If you're that person today that has fear, maybe it's fear in relationships. Maybe it's fear of the future. Maybe today you realize and God has shown you that the reason you need so much control is because you've been hurt and you've got that fear in your life and it's controlling you. But God is saying there's a better way. Trust in Him. Trust in Him. You're here today and That's you. Fear has got a hold of you. But you want to be free, just slip your hand up. Say, Pastor, it's me. To your hands. To your hands. Amen. You can put your hands down. That's it. Everybody look up at me just a second. A number of people raise their hand. I want y'all to look at me for a minute. The Bible tells us to lift our eyes to him. I want to tell you something. When there's fear in your life, here's what you're doing. You're focusing on your fear. You see what I'm saying? You're looking, you're you're constantly focusing on your fear. And what I believe God wants to say to you right now is you need to lift your eyes and look above your fear and look at him. Get your eyes off your fear. Get your focus on the cross. Amen. You need to get your focus on him. Let's all stand this morning. do this put your hands on your heart now listen to me there's nothing special about this but the reason i do this sometimes is i don't want you thinking about anybody around you i want you just to be focused right now on yourself focused on your heart let's let's get in an attitude of prayer lord right now as we're honest with ourselves lord there's some folks that have said they're dealing with this fear and so father i just ask you right now in this moment lord you would speak to them Father, that you would allow them to see themselves as your child, as your creation. And Father, they need to begin to believe what you say about them, not what fear says. And that they would put their trust in you and in your word. So Father, we come to you today, Lord, and we just ask you to calm the fears in our hearts. Lord, according to your word, Father, we begin to trust you Lord, and not our fear. We begin to put our faith in you, Lord. And right now, those that are dealing with fear, Lord, I just pray that you would help them and lay that at the foot of the cross. And I thank you for it, Lord. 
In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Now listen to me. The best thing you can do is draw close to him and get into your Bible, folks. Get into your Bible. Begin to understand who you are in Christ, who he's called you to be, amen. I want you guys to make a special effort to come on Wednesday night. We're in this truly free series. It's important. Make sure you come. You'll be glad that you did. And uh, I'm going to pray over the food and let you guys go back there and eat. Uh, For those of you that are here, remember, it's donation only for the kids today. Let's pray over the food. Father, thank you for this food. We're going to eat today. Bless it, Lord. Bless our kids. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, all right, y'all high five three people. Tell them no fear, and you guys go have a good day.